Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Istanbul Sour. Here we are today with John. Hello John, welcome. Uh, thank you very much. How is it going? How's life? Fine, thank you. Yeah, it's nice. good, to be, good to be here. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah, great. Having a good time. So uh, let's start with an introduction of yourself. That's how we start usually. So okay. would you like to tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I was brought up in the United Kingdom, in the countryside. All right. And I went to university in London, um, which was a, obviously a big sort of life-changing experience moving from cows and fields to the big city. Uh, I did my degree there. Um, oh, where were you raised? I'm sorry. In, in on the border of England and Wales. Okay. Very rural. My father was from Wales. My mother was from Manchester, but had moved. Uh, it's in an area called Shropshire. And it's famous for nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful and undisturbed. Nothing, no, nobody goes there. John, John is the most popular thing in that city, in that place. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I broke out, broke free, and explored the world uh, because it was it was just a very sort of small community right. with sort of, and it was the days before the internet, so it was a kind of small world I was right. living in. So going to London was kind of eye opening meeting people who different skin colors for start. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, I was born in 1963, which tells you something about um, the situation. Um, then after four years in London University where I studied Japanese, um, I spent a year in Japan in the middle of my degree, which was another eye-opener. Why? Why Japan? Why studying Japanese? Ah, yes. Uh, good question. I was going to study Egyptology at university. Egyptology. Yeah, ancient Egypt. Wow. Because I've always been interested in the exotic, the sort of the sort of things that people aren't talking about. Like I studied Roman and Greek history in my high school, but I was always more interested was it in part Egyptian of the history. History. High no, I chose to do it. Wow. Was called, it was called Ancient History and Literature. It was a module. Because so that was you had those vibes from, from high school. Yeah, and even like before, it was, maybe. Yeah, you, uh, high school, you have to choose three subjects. Right. And the headmaster didn't want me to do French. He wanted me to do Roman and Greek history <laughs> in English. Right. So he kind of twisted my arm yeah. saying, you're, you're doing Latin, so you have to study the history. Right. But I was always more interested in, like, you know, I thought Cleopatra was far cooler than anyone else right. in Roman history. Right. So I became interested in Egypt and I was I was determined to study ancient Egypt, even though it was going to be useless. But I thought, no, I'll be intellectually satisfied. Yeah. And at the time I had to, there was a, an exam question called general studies and there was the subject called general studies mm -hmm. and they were going to ask about economy. And so I thought, oh my God, I don't know anything about economy. So I thought, ah, oh, wait a minute, everything is made in Japan. In those days, oh. everything cheap and plasticky wasn't made in China, it was made in Japan. So I thought... What year was that? This is 1977, wow. eight. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, now it's quality, right? J yeah, Japanese, now Japanese <laughs> yeah. products are the best. Yeah, 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 they really are. But, um, yeah, those days, if it was cheap and tacky, it was made in Japan. Japan. So I thought, they seem to be doing really well, the Japanese. So I'll read about, I'll find a book about Japan and mm -hmm. I'll put that in my answer and get good marks right. because nobody would talk about Japan. 
So I went to the local library to find a book. There were two books about Japan. One was really boring. One was amazing, full of illustrations and written by this famous South African intellectual. And I fell in love with Japanese culture reading that book. What He, specifically caught your eye about Japanese well, it culture? Well, it was the poetry. Poetry? Yeah. Japanese poetry? Yeah. Yeah, What about it seems it? stupid to. So my whole life has been decided on. <laughs> yeah, so there was a haiku, and I read the haiku like an ancient pond, a frog leaps, the sound of water. It's a famous poem by the most famous haiku poet, Basho. And I thought, this, this isn't a poem. This doesn't sound like Tennyson or Keats or anything. And then the guy explained it was this Buddhist thought that the ancient pond represents your mind right. and the frog leaping in represents your thought. And then there was a description of Zen Buddhist philosophy. Zen I, Buddhist philosophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because Basho was influenced by Zen Buddhism. And it just sort of blew my mind. I thought this is a whole new world and a fascinating world and totally different. And so I changed my applications to be Japanese rather than Egyptology. I see. I see. And then at some point you decided to move to Japan. Uh, yeah. Um, it was part of my, I got a scholarship in the middle of my degree to stay in Japan for a year. And then when I went on to do my master's, I applied for another scholarship that took me to a Japanese university for two, three years. You're right. And then I just stayed there and and then I went for a third time and lived there for like five years. Five years? Yeah. Everyone is so impressed by Japanese culture. Everybody's just using Japanese culture as a example yeah, yeah, culture. It, is yeah. it really true or is it marketing? No, 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 no. It, it's so sort of alien in the good sense. It's okay. they are everything is so different. Like these days, you know, it's sort of manga and anime. And people have entered Japanese culture that way. But in my experience, anyone who ends up in Japan, there was a lot of people that they created something called a JET program. JET program. Anyone, yes, where J-E-T, I don't know what, Japan Education something. Mm -hmm. And um, anyone could get uh, money for teaching English as a sort of assistant teacher right. in a high school. Mm -hmm. And there was a flood of foreigners who had... Had nothing, knew nothing about Japan, but just thought this is something interesting to do in my year off before mm -hmm. when I graduate or something like that. And a lot of those people, when they arrived in Japan, they were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing." Mm -hmm. um, some some bits are sort of horrific or sort of like a culture shock, but a lot of it, the Japanese are so polite generally, and if you're um, if you're a white foreigner there, you're sort of put on a pedestal you have status mm -hmm. and so you can get away with murder <laughs> and nobody <laughs> nobody expects you to be Japanese the okay. Japanese don't expect foreigners to be like them so the pressure is mostly on Japanese people yes it's in yes from their upbringing so they're, they're the only people who feel pressured to be Japanese and I follow see. the rules I and see. like, you know, the group mentality and all collective identity, of collective identity and this excessive politeness and excessive obedience to mm -hmm. something. And, and uh, they, they abandon individual, individualities for children mm -hmm. and idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Japanese saying I'm, I'm quoting. It's like uh, only children and idiots are direct, honest and direct. How do you say it in so, Japanese? 
子供とバカは正直<笑>正直 is this sort of being honest and being straightforward and you realize why is that being criticized where they say it's for children and idiots right right Um, but it, that gives you a clue to Japanese culture. There's another Japanese saying which is very informative, like the nail, you know, a nail that you use、mm-hmm. to build、uh, things in wood, the, the nail that sticks out will be hammered in. Now, that sounds like a sort of oppressive sort of regime. Can you、thing. come again? <laughs> the, the nail that sticks out.、Okay. So imagine I'm hammering a nail into right, a piece right, of wood. Right, right, right. The nail that sticks out will be hammered in. Okay. Wow. You, you can't stick out, you can't be different. But to the Jap- this is the mind blowing thing. To the Japanese, that is a good thing. To my individual upbringing, that's a bad thing. You, you want me to conform? You want us all to be the same? Is there no place for individuality? I want to be the nail. Like I was in England, I was、right. the nail that sticks out.、Yeah. Right. I studied Japanese. And all my friends were like, why the hell? You know, <laughs> or why are you going to study Egyptology? Right. Do something practical. So I was, I was the sticky out nail in England, and that was perfectly okay because we accept. Individual choice. Right. And we appreciate eccentricity, you know, being different from the, the crowd, from、right. the herd. Right.、Um, but in Japan, it's not a good thing. I see. I They think being conforming is what you're meant to do. I see. That's, that's pretty much East, I guess. Can you say that? Yes, yes, it is. But、um, my, I also lived in, in Chinese culture. I lived、mm-hmm. in Taiwan for two years. And there is more scope for individuality there. Oh, really? Yeah. You can say what you think. Well, is it because it's Taiwan? Can、uh, we、yeah. say that we can have the same thing in, in China, the, main, the main, mainland? Well, now China is m- much the same、um, in terms of sort of the development of the economy.、Um, but、uh, yeah, even, chi- even in China. I, I met because I traveled in China while it was still communist.、Right. Um, and there was far more, ironically, being a communist state, there was, there was far more sort of individuality and sort of、uh, get, get up and go. Yeah.、Um, so that I think Korea is quite similar to Japan in this very group. Or, you know, group orientated identity I thing. I see. Yeah. But、uh, it's. and... You meet Thai people and they are about the group as well. They do things together in right, groups. Right. Like they perform instead of, like, we had to do these little shows in the university, like, introduce your culture. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Take over and, countries one the, by one? The, the Thai people had come with their national costume. They did a little dance together, and everyone was doing things together. So it isn't only Japan that has this sort of、um, group mentality. But I, it is, I would say it's ex- kind of extreme compared to other places. Yeah, yeah, I see. And then after Japan, you moved to. I'm, I, so I didn't want my whole life to be Japan, Japan, Japan. I wanted to、Tokyo? keep exploring. No, I was in Nagoya, which is a, a small city of six million、um, in the middle of Japan.、Um, that's where I was sent in my scholarship. And、right. then it be, became my home. Right.、Uh, and all my friends were there. So I kept living in that city. So I wanted to sort of explore, I wanted to learn Chinese because Japanese poetry. Has been influenced by Chinese poetry. Right. And Chinese poetry is amazing and, and even much longer history. And so I went, to, I'd visited Taiwan and I realized they really appreciated Japan because、right. Japan basically developed Taiwan 
when the Japanese invaded Formosa, there was nothing. So um, I thought, and it was very commercial, and it looked like Japan, basically. Yeah. Uh, different culture, but it kind of looked like Japan, unlike mainland China, which was you know, still not developed. So I thought I could live here, earn decent money and learn Chinese. And the government of Taiwan f fled from mainland China. So the government's language is standard Chinese. Mm -hmm. So I could learn good Chinese living in Taiwan, not a dialect, for example. I so I lived in, in Taiwan a year and a half. And then... So you learn Japanese, you learn Chinese. Yes. Okay. Yeah. My Ch my Chinese was never... I mean, it was just sort of... I could get by, intermediate. Right. I had an advantage because I could read it. Right. I because see. Uh, the, a lot of the characters sort of mean the same thing. Um, but I never... I decided... The, the environment was really polluted and everything else. And I, I thought I would love Chinese culture as much as I loved Japanese culture. But it wasn't the same. It yeah. was just like, it was interesting, fascinating. And it was really interesting to see the model on which so, on which so much of Japanese culture is based. Uh, see those models of things if, coming from China. And then, so my in my head, my next thing would be like, I suppose India is the next step because a oh, lot wow. of the culture, like Buddhism, for example, which is um, massive in, in Japan and in China as well, um, a lot of the culture comes from India. So I, it's like going up river to right. the source. Right. And I think the source is India for so many things, wow. including Europe, probably. Um, they're ancient civilizations and the influence of Buddhism is one thing, but uh, Sanskrit, you know, Sanskrit right. has a, a real appeal to me. So I thought, well, maybe my next step should be Sanskrit. But instead, I flew to Central America and thought, I'll learn Spanish. <laughs> so so that, way, that, way I could speak to, that way I could speak to everyone around the Pacific Rim, because right. I got Chinese and Japanese. And I'd learned Indonesian while I was in London Indonesian. University. Indonesian. Yeah. Um, because the my favorite students that I met in Japanese universities were Indonesian. They're really relaxed, lovely people. Nice. And so I'd learned that um, because I could in my university. And yeah, I was thinking if I learned Spanish, then I've got the Pacific covered. It was a weird thing to aim for, but um, pretty impressive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yes, yeah, so I learned Spanish and and then did a lot. Of, amongst all of this, there's a lot of traveling because I like traveling. Yeah. And, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of exciting traveling in those days because it was before when I started. It was before Lonely Planet and all those other guidebooks, and before all this. Now you can look on the internet if you want to yeah, go you anywhere. Just Google everything. Yes, you can Google everything and know what to expect and where best to go and where best to stay. But that, to me, that slightly devalued it because right. there's no, no sense of sort of surprise mm -hmm. or sort of. I, my favorite things in this world are surprise and delight. Mm -hmm. Good surprises, yeah. I love. Yeah. So going somewhere and then discovering it's amazing. Uh, you also get bad surprises, obviously, course, but if yes. you go with, yes. without any yes. information. But basically, I value that more than feeling I'm on a treadmill, like on, on going where everyone has gone before. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And then Cambridge. Um, I did my master's in Cambridge. Uh, it was a deliberate ploy on my behalf. Um, 
I thought if I can get in Cambridge, I should go to Cambridge because I realised from my experience in Japan, everyone was sort of worshipping Oxford and Cambridge. And still, yeah, yeah, still, still, it has currency, <laughs> yeah, right? right? So that that has been good for me. Uh, graduating with a master's from Cambridge, I entered as a actually as a PhD student. Um, they accepted me as a PhD student, but um, Oxford and Cambridge have a unique system where the first year of your PhD is one of their masters, mm-hmm. their Master of Philosophy. An MPhil, so um, I did the MPhil, and then I realised, oh my god, I'm not clever enough, because in my class there were really, really clever people, and some of the some of our lecturers were students doing PhDs. I see, and they they were mind blowing, really intelligent. And I thought if I I was considering becoming an academic, and I thought any famous figure. Um, yes, well, there was. I think Sir John Lyon, who'd written the book on semantics, was one of our lecturers. He was one of. I can't say anything. <laughs> But, um, Sir John, yeah, uh, yes, Sir John. Yes, I, I mustn't um, besmir- besmirch his name. Um, But he wasn't the best lecturer. Okay. You know, he, brain the size of a planet. He wrote the book on um, semantics. Um, But no. Um, so it, I suddenly thought I. Don't think I would be. I'm, I'm not of the uh, class of academics, the intelligence and and devoting yourself to one subject for the rest of your life. Right. That's not me. Right. Um, and so I decided that I didn't want the PhD. I would settle with a master's. And so I got my master's in linguistics, and it gave me that chance to pursue my interest in social linguistics, right. which is. Uh, a lot of linguistics is so abstract. Yeah, it's the structure of language in the brain and phonetics and things. But social linguistics was really interesting to me. It's it's the way a language reflects a culture. Just like you know, in Turkey, like Hoşgeldin is we can say that in English, but we can't say Hoşbulduk. So to right. me, that Hoşbulduk is really interesting. It's really it, interesting to me as well. Do, Does it mean that Turkish people, when when they you greet them, they think, "Well, thank you for your welcome"? Are they thinking yeah. that, or is it just automatic? But when I say it, I think about it every time. Yes, uh, yeah, and I, I do because it's like I can't say it in English, yeah, so yeah. I enjoy saying it. And this kolaygels and everything, right. I think it reflects Turkish culture. So you're meant to be thinking about other people. Other people are working. I'm not working. Right. So I'm going to say kolaygels, and Japanese obviously has lots of that unique sayings and phrases that reflect right. their culture and the way they are paying attention uh, to other people and their values, what is important to them. I see. And so the social linguistics is that. So I was fascinated and I got a chance to do my master's. Great, yeah. great, wonderful. And then Istanbul, how did you get into Istanbul? Um, I visited. Um, funnily enough, I came via Antarctica because <laughs> I was working as a translator for Greenpeace on an anti-whaling campaign in Antarctica. And there was a Turkish crew member. Um, she was a, a deckhand, but she was a member of Greenpeace Turkey. Mm-hmm. And so she'd been given this, everyone wants to work on an anti-whaling campaign in right, Greenpeace. Right. So it's like everyone wants it. I was just there doing my job. Um, so she got the lucky, the golden ticket to go to Antarctica. And we got on really well. And 
at the end of it, we finished in um, Tasmania and Greenpeace flies you back to your country. So I do said, why don't you come with me to Turkey? Because I was interested in history. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd read about the, you know, the siege of Istanbul and 1453 and everything. So I said, oh, great. So I stayed with, I came, I got off here instead of going to London and explored Istanbul. And then I went through Greece and then I came back in through Rhodes and I wanted to go to Tarsus, which all Turkish people roll their eyes. Why Tarsus? And I said, that's where Antony met Cleopatra. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to Tarsus that time and then I went to Cappadocia. So I was traveling and I was in Konya and Greenpeace like, we need you again. And it wasn't for Antarctica, it was just translated uh, the International Whaling Conference in Japan, which was another very interesting thing because the mafia, the Japanese Yakuza, turned wow. out because being, objecting to whaling is objecting to Japan. Wow. So we, we, the mafia recruited lots of people and brought them to the conference and they, they rolled around in these buses chanting nationalist slogans and things like that. It was very interesting. Wow. Um, so, yes, and then I came back after that and Istanbul for the second time and then I flew home. And the reason I'm here now is because I was working in a British university as an international student officer. Um, or international officers. So I was in charge of Erasmus and in charge of international exchanges. And um, Brexit happened. Brexit happened. Brexit happened. And this was the end of everything I was setting up because Erasmus is funded by the EU. And right. I thought everything I've been doing for the last six years is going to be destroyed. And I really, I was really angry because I believe in international education. I believe in internationalization. I believe in international people. I believe you should go to another country and spend time there and develop yourself and come to a greater understanding. So I was disappointed with my country for voting for Brexit because I thought it was a big backward step. Um, and do I have to explain Brexit? You know, Britain leaving the EU. Yeah, right? Britain yeah. leaving yeah. the EU. Yeah. So um, I decided to visit my bucket list countries, some of the countries I always wanted to go to, but hadn't so far in my life. There were many, I've already been to about 80 countries at this stage, but there were some countries I wanted to see. So I went around the world for like a year and a half. And when I was in Bulgaria, um, on my way to the, the um, Estonia and places like that, I got a message from one of my old Turkish students mm. who I helped when he was in my university in England. And he says, where are you? And I said, well, actually, I'm not far away. And he says, get on a bus. It's only eight hours. Come and visit me and I'll show you my Istanbul. And he's a really nice guy. So I was like, OK, OK, OK. So I got on the bus and he did show me his Istanbul That's on how the it back works. of his yeah, motorbike. It's always my Istanbul. It's not like Istanbul only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's a, he's a bit of a gourmet. So oh, we, yeah. we discovered all these wonderful... Amazing tastes. ...places to eat and not necessarily expensive. There was the best kuru fasulye, by the way. Wow. It's behind a, behind a petrol station. <laughs> the best kuru fasulye is behind a petrol but station? Yes, yes. Somewhere wow. in 
Kushura Sumaneda. Anyway, so I had a really nice time. And then he's like, uh, So you're going to Japan from here? And I was like, Yes. So my intention was to get a job in Japan again because uh, I love Japan. And he says, You know, Japan is hard work. Why don't you just teach English in here to my friends? Right.、Yeah. And I was like, Okay. I'll take a break. Yeah. And then I thought that would give me time to explore Istanbul right, and right. Turkish culture and、right. Turkish people. And as I say, I love things, I, I love exotic things. To, to, to me, at that stage, Turkey was exotic because I knew nothing about it. So I decided, yeah, maybe I could stay here for a year. And I discovered the cost of living was reasonable. And then I could earn enough money teaching English、uh, to survive here. And so. Slowly, slowly, yes, I ended up staying here for now five years total. What do you love about it?、Uh, I love the humanity of the people. I come from a culture in Britain where rules are everything and everyone has to obey every rule. And I sense a certain lack of humanity in that. As in, I often. Encountered, like, I would like to help you, but I can't. The rules say I can't help you. And a lot of people, I was working in a university with international students, and they were getting these messages from various, like, you know, from finance. Like, finance says, we would like to help you, but you need to pay immediately. Right. <laughs> and the students were like, but I can't because of the rules. And so I was dealing with this sort of interface of lots of international students from about 60, 50. Different countries and my own culture. And I was acting as that sort of interface and sort of trying to explain to my people <laughs> how might we be a little more flexible and be a little more friendly and help the student.、Right. And trying to explain to the student, no, the reason she can't help you is because she can't, because her job says she can't.、Right. And so it was this sort of acting as a go between. And so when I came here, I discovered. There was this lovely sort of flexibility. It has its downsides, I, of course. I love the flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good word for like yeah, chaos yeah. and ignoring every rule there is.、Yeah. I always think of the, my example is like one way streets. There's no one way street in Istanbul, right, as right, you know.、Right. It's just if nobody's coming, I can go down it. <laughs> But in Britain, that would be a huge kind of right, you know, offense right, and right. people would get really angry. So there was, so, there was, and there was a warmth. I know the national. The national narrative here is we are warm people. So I was like, I'll be the judge of that. But the, tr <laughs> the truth is, people are sort of warm and welcoming yeah. Yeah. and friendly and sort of helpful to each other、yeah. uh, on the street. And so there was the, my impressions were good. Great. And I love history. And there's more history in Istanbul than you can shake a stick at, to use idi idiom. Right. <laughs> means they have so much history. And the whole of Turkey is like, you know, heaven for someone who loves ancient history, right? Right.、Um, and the climate's good, the food's good. And the Bosphorus. And yes, my, my favorite thing of all <laughs> is probably in, about living in Istanbul is the Bosphorus. Great. Where would I be without it? So、yes. I, I, I bought an apartment where I can see, not 
a big the view entire, of the yeah. yeah, see a, a little bit of the Bosphorus and the seawalls around the Hagia Sophia and the Hagia Sophia. And I'm, I'm happy. Yes, <laughs> I'm yes happy. I can understand Every day, that, every yeah. morning is a privilege. I look out of my window and go, yeah. yes, that's why I'm here. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much, John. Uh, we'll invite John more often to talk about uh, topics. This was more like an introduction, but we'll have John later on more often. Now, uh, John, if you agree, let's move on to the, to the rapid questions yes. Mohammed prepared for us. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. All right. Is it like the Gestapo? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mohammed. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, good. All right. Cool. Cool. This is the Mohammed section of the show. <laughs> yes. So, guys, rapid questions. I'm going to ask you. Answer just the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay. Yeah. So, first up, what language would you learn if it was easier? Like Cantonese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Russian. Ooh, okay. Nice. I was thinking about Russian. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Now, in Singapore, you get a massive fine for chewing gum. Just mm. the act of chewing gum. What unpleasant behavior should get a massive fine in Istanbul? Walking really slowly in front of me on a bed. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. People come out and then they're just taking up the whole pavement. And, oh, yeah. And you have to break. Yeah. Sorry, that's... And, 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 and one one more thing is that when you are getting a refund for the for your Stamble cart, there are like six devices. Please go to the last one and let everybody use all of them. So just don't stop <sighs> at the first one. And there's a whole queue of people. That's just so annoying. This, this we could go on for ages, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Rapid, rapid, the rapid, 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 rapid. Yeah. Rapid. Okay. Which Turkish word surprised you most when you learned it? Its meaning. I guess it was Hoshbulduk because it's like, what the f is that? <laughs> what? Sorry, swearing. Um, it's okay, it's okay. Because, it, yeah, it's like, what are they saying in response to welcome? We can't say anything. So, what are they saying? So, I think that surprised me. Same. Oh, same. I was actually thinking of the same thing in a taxi cab because <laughs> the guy was like, Hoshgadin, and I was like, Hoshbuldum. <laughs> what does it mean you know like that's very strange and unique and beautiful at the same time yeah all right when it comes to exploring istanbul where is the best place to get lost in get lost in. Get lost <sighs> but the place is so good it doesn't matter i think i would the old city just because it's terribly touristy it's you know there's signs in english everywhere but there are layers and layers there and you can discover like weird buildings built by the Greeks and built by all sort of minorities and everything. So, like, I love some moda because you can discover coffee shops galore. Yeah. But my historian head is saying explore the seven hills of the old city. All right, um, I would say Yenikoy, probably. Mm. Uh, the, the view, mm. um, the, the, the boats, mm. the, the nice places, yeah. nice people, yeah. great architecture. Yeah. All right. Now, where is the most overrated place in Istanbul? <laughs> probably the old city. Which oh, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> as in, uh, overrated for staying. Um, but overrated. Like people keep telling you go here, go here, but it's not. It's not what is correct. Is I wouldn't really want to go there. Maybe the covered bazaar. Oh, Grand Bazaar. The Grand Bazaar. Yeah, yeah. 
I see. Yeah, I the would... Grand Bazaar. I mean, it's interesting, but it's just like, ugh, it's just so swamped with tourists and you know you're going to be ripped off. Right. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> and they're genuine, they're genuine people there who've been doing that, working there for so long and... But it's everyone says go there, go there. You must go to the covered mm-hmm. market. And I say, like my father visited recently, and mm-hmm. I said, don't bother. <laughs> I see. I would say Galataport. I don't like it. Oh yeah. I don't like it. It's not. Uh, it doesn't really reflect the greatness of Istanbul. Controversial. Yeah, yeah. That's more like something in Singapore, or South Korea, or Dubai. Yeah, and the covered no, market. No disrespect to those cities, oh, yeah. but I think I did. But the Grand Bazaar is much no, better. No disrespect to buy all you want. I <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. T- take just, that, Dubai. This is my revenge for, <laughs> yeah. for living there. <laughs> That's Mohammed's thing. Yes. Okay. Now, you guys spoke about Japan. So, what is something about Japan that you you know that most people don't? You can go with zero because most people just know anime. So, <laughs> something that I know that most people don't know well, about Japan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know one thing. I mean, um, I have this. I have a close Japanese friend. Um, she is half Japanese, half Swiss, and uh, once she told me that uh, being half Japanese and half from another country, it's not a cool thing in Japan. And she had some really weird experiences of uh, being disrespected in public transportation as soon as people realized that she is not Japanese Japanese. They call them halves. Oh, there is this yes, word literally this. a yeah. word that's a half. Okay. It means half Japanese, half something else, yeah. which sounds a bit sort of derogatory. But I, I okay, um, I would say... Just like England, there's more than one language in Japan. There's the Ainu in the north. They have their own language, their own culture. They're not, they don't look particularly Japanese. They are some more hairy. Japanese are generally not very hairy. But um, And also in the south, there's the Okinawa was a separate kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I think people don't realize that Japan is actually multicultural. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, some languages sound nice, right? They sound poetic. Right. So if aliens visited Earth, yes. and since they don't speak our language, what language would you present to them as the Earth language? Oh, and okay. Don't say English, please. <laughs> uh, well, I, I've got an issue. <laughs> yeah, I love the sound of French, and I know oh. why. It's not a good... Because... Because it was the language of diplomacy and posh people, and all posh people speak French. So I feel it's like some kind of inferiority complex right. I have about French. Probably not healthy, but I think French sounds beautiful, uh, and so I would recommend yeah. French. I would say Afrikaans probably because mm. we've we've done a lot of horrible things to those people. Let's just you know, let's do a favor and let's give them a break. Let's give them a break. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 Interesting. If Istanbul had an anthem, what song would it be? So this is the Istanbul song. Not yes. You know, you can take it how you or you want. Anthem. Anthem. I'm trying to think. Wrap it, wrap it. Trying to think of a song about chaos. <laughs> yeah, um, it's chaotic here, but it's nice. Yeah, chaos uh, reigns by Fox Bodies. Let's go. Oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> no, thank no, no. you. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge of songs is much better. Yes, chaos reigns. Yeah, okay. I would say <laughs> Namus Belasi by Cem Karaja. 
Okay. I don't know <laughs> That's what that. National I should... anthem of Istanbul. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, okay. Now this is I'll more about, about yes. <laughs> this is more about language. What language should dethrone English as the most widely spoken language? So that would become the more. They say Spanish, yeah, and linguists say, say Spanish, Spanish yeah. because it's less exceptions to the rule, more kind of logical language, easy to pronounce. The spelling and the pronunciation are more closely matched. But I would go for. I would go for one of these um, Creole, uh, pigeons and Creoles, which are sort mm. of created languages. And in, I think Indonesian, based on Malaysia, in Malaysian, same language as Malaysian, but to me it was really easy language. Mm. So I want an easy one that everyone can learn. And they'd have to increase the vocabulary, but they can do that by throwing English in with a Indonesian pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the grammar is lovely and simple. <laughs> I would say Turkish. I mean, oh. Since we're in Turkey, sure. Turkish people are watching. Why not, guys? Yeah, and finally, Turkish is the international language. That wow. would be a Turkish dream, I would say. <laughs> no more English. Wow. No more having to learn English. Yeah. yeah. We'd all lose our jobs. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> okay, finally, what's a tourist trap that, since you guys have been here for a while, what's a tourist trap that you would warn foreigners about? Like, don't go here. It's a tourist trap. Hmm. Like how New Yorkers tell you don't go to Times Square. Yeah, I was actually gonna say don't go to Taksim, you know, <laughs> because you know it's just What's it's Jackson overrated yeah. and it's crowded and it's clanless sort of. Yeah, not a big fan to be honest. I'd say if you want to explore Beolu, why don't you explore Jihangir? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Mm. Just go, don't go on Istiklal Street. It's like Oxford street in london yeah it's just shop shop shops shop, 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 there's no yeah. flavor no sort of local flavor no small shops yeah really. that local flavor that's mm. that's something yeah so, yeah get off the beaten track right oh as a great philosopher once said familiarity breeds contempt so watch yeah. out yeah. anyway thank you guys thank you thank very you much. much yes and um it was great Having you, John. Thank you for coming ah, over. It's been a real pleasure. Thank yes. you for having me. Please comment, subscribe, uh, follow us, and um, info at me to talk cafe. Send us emails. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.